Welcome to NSQ, No Stupid Questions, a podcast that asks everything you want to know but wouldn't ask. I'm Priscilla Britton, graduate of Brixton Finishing School, the creators of The Ad Academy, a new online course from industry experts for untapped talent. In this series, I'm talking to industry leaders about what they have learned on the way to where they are today. With us today is Emily Gill, business director and choir leader at St Luke's. Appreciated for her creative talent, not only as a singer, but a skillful account lead too. She has experience working across a breadth of brands, including NatWest, The National Trust and Heineken. Emily has earned herself a quick succession of promotions. Even with a year out to pursue her passion for singing, Emily climbed from grad to business director in only seven years. Testament to a genuine commitment to creating standout work for her clients. Okay, so could you tell me a little bit about what you do at St Luke's? Sure. So I am now business director at St Luke's, and that means that I head up the account team for a certain number of clients. So at the moment, that's for Ocado and Tanqueray. I have a team of seven on Ocado and a team of three on Tanqueray, and I manage the account team and the process of the projects we run, the brand strategy, um, managing pastoral care of the team, looking for new business opportunities outside my clients and within them and managing all the financials on, on our accounts. Ooh, that sounds like a full-on role. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, quite, it's quite intense. <laughs> what are some of the pain points of account management? I think when you're in account management, your whole role really is about keeping everybody happy. Mm-hmm. It's a very people-focused role. So you've got your creatives, who are coming up with obviously the ideas and um, you need to make sure that they feel supported, that the clients are happy with their, their ideas. And that's really on you to make sure their ideas are on the strategy. Then you've got the strategists who are doing all the thinking behind the scenes of the, the campaigns. And so it's important that they have the information they need to do that. And then you've got your producers and your project managers who are, who are making kind of everything run um, for the, the productions. So a lot of account management is about making sure that everybody's happy. And of course, that comes with the fact that people become unhappy about things. You know, if, if creatives don't feel that their work is appreciated or strategists feel they haven't had the information, you can come up with conflict. And it's about having an empathetic personality to deal with people um, and make them feel valued. So I'd say that's probably the first thing that can be a challenge, but also the most rewarding thing. The second and maybe third as well thing is, timings and money (laughs) we manage the timing plans and we also manage well sometimes project management do but it's often it often falls on accounts ultimately and we manage the budgets so if a project is running late and you've got really constricted timings that's really hard to keep everybody aligned and also keep the client happy when you're trying to get feedback through super quickly and money I love my clients but all clients will want more for less and increasingly and increasingly, and it's really difficult to make sure that budgets stretch as far as clients want them to, but also allow us to achieve what we need to achieve. Do you have any tips for people in account management to help people feel valued and bring out the best in them? Yeah, there's lots of lots of tips I would give somebody coming into the industry. I think you do need to be a few things. Someone who is organised and likes lists. It's an easy thing to to ask yourself if you like ticking things off a list, 
you're probably going to be successful in account management. If you don't, you're probably not going to be. That you've got to really enjoy that organization. Secondly, as I mentioned, empathy is really important. So you've got to be a people person. You've got to want to make people happy and accept that sometimes it's not your fault, but it is your problem. It's something that you have to deal with, even if you didn't do anything to make it an issue in the first place. And that requires swallowing pride and actually maintaining empathy for other people. Those are essentially the two biggest things I think I'd look for um, and tell somebody coming into account management that they needed. But then there's a lot of other soft skills that, that help. And Touching on that, like what you look for in a candidate, is there anybody that you've interviewed in the past that really stood out and why? Yeah, it's a good question. I think at St. Luke's, we always look for people who are strategically minded. So even what I mean by that really is what makes people tick and what's the insight that's going to grab people's attention in a certain campaign. So I was talking to somebody recently and asking them about Bloom and Wild. And we were talking about what the strategy could be. They're not one of our clients, but what the strategy could be to, to go after next knowing that they've got quite a female audience. And she made a very perceptive point about going after men and a certain way that we could do that, which I thought was really interesting. It didn't require her to have thought about it before. I think she, I don't think she had. It didn't require her to have had any experience in the industry even. But there was a very interesting way of her. She'd clearly been curious. She's curious about people. She'd be curious about how people would react with brands like that and came at it with a really human insight, which is what I would look for. An interesting way in, of viewing society, of viewing audiences, and then and then grabbing hold of that to solve a business problem. And what I think is quite special about that is it's, it's, it's an intuitive thing. It's not necessarily something you can learn. It's something you can hone, but it's something you also have instinctively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes complete sense. And I suppose it comes full circle to what you were saying around empathy. Somebody who's perceptive and curious then has that almost innate instinct to be able to inquire about the world and be perceptive and come out with some really interesting ways of looking at different problems. Could I take you back to the beginning of your career? Sure. So how did you get your first job? I applied to grad schemes, essentially. I assume that's all still happening. (laughs) I haven't looked recently. But I was at university and I was thinking about going into performing, into singing and acting. So I applied to drama schools at the same time, actually. But I'd heard a bit about advertising. I had some friends who'd gone into advertising and I didn't really know anything about it. But as most people think, it's that really interesting intersection of business and creativity. I've always seen myself as a creative person, but not as a creative. And I was also just quite seduced by the glamour of it. You know, advertising just seemed very, you know, a very sexy career. And that just, that spoke to me as a kind of, as a 20, 21 year old. To be honest, I I spoke to a lot of friends who were in this um, world or who were thinking about it. And they had some links to to open days and places that, you know, like AMV and CHI and MC Saatchi. And so I booked on, went to go along, went to meet people, go to the talks. And I found that just, I loved every moment of it. The, The penny dropped and I just thought, this is exactly what I want to do and so I then went onto the websites applied to the grad schemes which is relatively easy to find usually it's in the kind of you know hiring section and I applied to four of them 
So that was AMV, CHI, which is now the Ander Partnership, Leo Burnett and Emma Sarchi. So we went through um, application processes with each one, which started with a form. So questions to answer along with your CV. But it was nice that it was a questioning form. It wasn't just a pure kind of CV interview. And those questions were in themselves so interesting. It was things like, if you could change one thing about the world, what would it be? Or if you could eat only one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? They were clearly trying to test lateral thinking and creativity and not just your business acumen or how eloquent you are. And I loved that. I was really excited by it and I enjoyed doing the applications. And I think that says so much about a career you're going into. So I filled in the application forms. I was invited to my first interview, which was great as a first hurdle. And then there were, I think, two more rounds after that. There was another round of interviews. And then there was a third round where we all came together for a whole day and gave a pitch at the end of the day as a team. So in group work. So I got through to the final rounds of MSC Saatchi, CHI and AMV. And I don't actually think Leo Burnett invited me for an interview. So I was rejected straight away from Leo Burnett. And I loved the process. I really did. I thought it was so much fun. I loved everyone I met and ultimately was offered a job at MNC Saatchi, only MNC Saatchi. I was offered an internship at AMV. Um, I wasn't offered at CHI and I was offered the job at MNC Saatchi. So that's to say, you know, to anyone listening, you, you've got to fail to succeed um, and you've got to put yourself out there a number of times. I had a friend who applied to 30 different agencies and she got rejected from every single one. And then she finally applied to Gray and she got a job there and she was she was brilliant there for four years. She's moved now to become a consultant. So yeah, just a really key point there that you can be pushed back so many times and that doesn't mean you're wrong for it. It just probably means that they didn't notice what's great about you. So that would be the advice I would give. That's a long-winded way of telling you how I got into the industry. No, like you said, it was a challenge. It's clear that it was a competitive time when you were applying. It remains competitive. One thing I did notice was that you really liked the people that you met during the interview process, which kind of takes me to this idea of culture and cultures within agencies. Could you describe the culture of MNC and the culture at St. Luke's and how they differ? Yeah, of course. And it's an interesting question because they differed enormously. I don't know if MNC still does have the same culture because it was five years ago, but a lot of the differences were driven by size of agency. So MNC Saatchi, as the advertising agency, is part of the MNC Saatchi independent group. I believe they're still independent. And they were at the time about 1,000 people. The agency itself, about 200, compared to St. Luke's, which currently is about 60, 65 people. So there's a huge differential there. And that's, of course, going to completely change the way you work. Interestingly, they're they're both independent. And I also think that is significant. But the point of the size is a process one, really, that people can be a lot more fluid in smaller agencies. And, you know, I, I remember first getting to St. Luke's and sitting somewhere and I could see my project manager right at the other side of the office. And normally that would have been a person on three floors down and I would have just emailed and we've had an exchange that way. And I could just put my hand up to Roy and say, can I have this creative team next week? And he'd say, yeah, that's fine. And then it was, it was done. None of this form filling and kind of red tape and many emails. That's not to say that big agencies are, you know, too process driven and, um, and, and difficult to work with. I think obviously you get incredible worth from being with a massive agency as well. Um, but I think personally, I prefer that slightly more fluid approach. 
Mm. Um, so that was that was a difference in the culture. Um, I think the the MNC culture is also probably a bit more hierarchical and traditional. Again, might not still be the case, but people kind of had their roles a bit more, both in a kind of department sense, but also a hierarchical sense. So if you were an account manager, you're an account manager, and then there was a strategist and the creative. At St. Luke's, those lines blur a lot. And I remember in my first week there, I was, I, I think I spent the first week writing a script, also helping with, you know, presenting some strategy and writing timing plans. And I just thought, well, this is this is the job for me because I can do all of these things. I, I, as in, I love doing all of these things. Whereas I was quite siloed in a bigger agency. Again, that that suits other people. I know account managers who don't particularly enjoy the strategy, don't really want to get involved in the creative, but love what they're doing. And that's perfect for them. And then from a hierarchical point of view, I think at, at St. Luke's, there's a bit more fluidity in where ideas come from, whether it's kind of up, you know, in the more senior levels or in more junior levels. And our creative directors are great at really lauding ideas wherever they come from. There have been brand lines that have come from account executives. Um, it's not common, but it's um, celebrated when it, when it happens. And I think at MNC, there's potentially a bit less opportunity for that. So a lot of this comes down to size of agency. Some people absolutely love the excitement and the gravitas and the budgets potentially that come with huge agencies but other people really love the fluidity and the relationships and the non-hierarchical nature of smaller agencies and I definitely fit into that camp yeah I'm completely with you considering the learnings that you gained from working at very different agencies would that change your way of entering the industry if you were to do it again today I think it's just helpful to understand as much as you can about different cultures before you enter the industry so you know where you would be best placed. As I was mentioning in terms of the culture, if you think you're somebody who wants to just dig into account management and learn as much as you can about that particular silo, then going into a bigger agency is probably better. But if you want to be a bit more fluid with your learning your skill set, so picking up skills in account management, but also understanding a bit about strategy and understanding about creative and being nurtured generally in advertising to find your niche, I think going into a smaller agency is going to help you find that. Um, I think it's also a cultural point. Um, it's at bigger agencies. I haven't worked at many, so this this may be an unfair description, but I think people can have to be a little bit more direct in their approach with work um cutthroat is too strong but I think you need to have a pretty strong backbone to work in some of these bigger agencies and stand up for yourself and be able to have some quite firm conversations whereas I think at smaller agencies there's a bit more reliance on all of the relationships building those relationships and navigating your way through difficult situations so I think if you're a bit more into that kind of culture potentially a bit softer skills I think a smaller agency is maybe a better place if you're skills are a bit more direct than maybe a bigger agency and and in my experience people do tend to fall into one of those categories and over the other yeah that makes sense is it fair to say that St Luke's has a culture of collaboration 100% I'd say that's one of the key tenets that is underlying our culture and that's in large part why I think we've been so successful over the pandemic because despite everything going from home becoming virtual we had such strong relationships before the pandemic that that sustained us both in terms of happiness and in terms of terms of productivity. Mm-hmm. So we have a collaboration culture, both from an internal point of view, but also with our clients. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a really special, unique thing about St. Luke's. I mean, if I wasn't sober before, St. Luke's <laughs> sounds great. 
so you mentioned that you entered the industry through a graduate scheme. Are there any entry level opportunities at St Luke's? Absolutely, yes. We run a three month internship programme, which we're recruiting for at the moment. So we'd love any applications through. It's through our website and you fill in a little form and, and then send it off to us. The internship is a really good opportunity and way to get into the industry. It's quite broad in terms of which department you're going to. So we'd ask you probably interview what you're interested in, but whether that's creative strategy, production, project management, account management, we'd love to welcome you in. Or even if you don't know, the training of the the course would give you access to all of that, give you a little bit of a view on on each of the departments. But if you want to start specialising in one, you can also do that. So it's very much a training opportunity, see how you feel. But if something really clicks and something works really well, there's always the opportunity to extend and potentially even go into a full-time job if things are going well for the, you know, both sides. It's a really good opportunity. Would love anybody to apply who's listening. As you've probably heard, I can't really say enough good things about St. Luke's. It's a great place to be. Hence, I've been there for so many years. So I think it's a, it's a great opportunity for people starting out into the industry. Amazing. And I know there are so many people searching for those opportunities. And a lot of the people listening are ADCAD students. So ADCAD students, done all your training now. (laughs) It's time to get some hands-on experience. So the St. Luke's internship programme, open now, have a look online. One of the things that I think is top of mind for people entering the industry is where the growth can come from. Some people do have concerns that when you're at a smaller agency, it could potentially be more difficult to progress. Have you found that? I'd I'd really refute that. Um, In my experience, being in a larger agency is much harder to get face time with more senior people. It's much harder to shine through. As I was mentioning about MNC, I think you become more siloed. In a smaller agency, there's just a lot more visibility. So if you don't fit in with the culture and if you're struggling to keep up, it will be seen for sure. But if you have a drive and a passion to grow and progress and be promoted, I think it's the perfect place to be. And my experience is testament to that. I've been very driven over my 20s to reach new promotions. It's something that really motivates me. Different things motivate different people. You know, some people are much more motivated by money and that's completely fine. Um, And focus more on pay rises as a proxy to their success completely makes sense I think I've always seen promotions as a proxy to my success and also I've wanted the increased seniority and I think somewhere smaller and definitely somewhere like St Luke's you can put your hand up I remember I said to my CEO a year ago when I was promoted to senior account director just saw him in the kitchen I said oh thanks for promoting me and he was like you promoted yourself (laughs) I was slightly offended to start with and then I realized that he was just being positive and saying you know people do promote themselves you put yourself into that role you give yourself that responsibility and then people see it rather than you know asking someone to promote you and putting it in their hands it, it, you've got to take it into your own hands and you're more able to do that at a smaller agency in my opinion mm-hmm. what are a few of the things you were an account exec and you're moving to be an account manager that would indicate to you that they're taking responsibility and moving into that next stage so A lot of becoming an account manager is about taking the lead on projects. I think an account executive says, you know, what shall I do? An account manager says, shall I do this? You know, so they'll they'll still be asking your advice, 
but they're leading it and they're coming to you. You're not going to them. So I think that's the big difference, really. And then when it when you move up again to a senior account manager role, it's about managing projects, but managing a number of them. So you've got a little portfolio of projects. So yeah, account executive is supporting account managers on their running of the projects. Account manager runs the projects and senior account managers start to run multiple projects. Mm-hmm. I can definitely see where that growth comes from. Could we think about your day-to-day now? What do you really enjoy about your role as a business director? I, it's funny because I've been at St. Luke's now nearly five years and I never thought I would stay at an agency that long. And people tend not to go to agencies that long, but St. Luke's is very hard to leave. So I was thinking about this the other day and thinking about why people stay. In my particular role, the reason I would struggle to move to a different type of job is losing the creativity. I'm not a creative. I wouldn't be able to justify a salary of doing creative all day. But I love that being a big part of my job. I absolutely love going to creative reviews and assessing creative work and being able to give my opinion. And that is one of the things I I adore about it. I love the strategic side. I love thinking about what makes people tick, behavioral analysis, working out what brand strategies are, what's actually going to achieve our clients' goals. I find that absolutely fascinating. And then the people management, the pastoral side of things. I love having a team and I love looking out for them and working out how they can thrive, looking at their progression and and ensuring their mental health is positive, that they're doing the hours they should be doing. And then when you see your team thrive because all of those systems are put in place, that's incredibly rewarding. Yeah, I think everybody wants to feel like they've got support of somebody who genuinely cares about seeing them thrive. What are some of the things that you do as a manager to ensure that? I think something that's super important is making sure people have clear objectives. That for me has always been an incredibly driving force to know what I'm working towards. So I think that's really important. But feedback as well, you know, positive and negative it shows you care and it really helps. So we have this thing in you know, my Cardo team called a FIM, which is a feedback in the moment. So I have to ask them before we start, you know, do, do you mind this way of working? Because I don't want to kind of blindside someone. But what I find is if you give people feedback immediately, one, you remember it. And two, it doesn't feel like a big deal. You know, if you come off a call and, and I'll say to one of my colleagues, I think you could have prepared, you know, a couple of slides, maybe just say it to yourself next time beforehand and then you might not fluff it in the same way great presentation not a big deal but just something to think about next time great as opposed to waiting three weeks sitting down in your catch-up and saying look three weeks ago you did this thing I really didn't think it was very good I'm I'm not pleased about it can you do it differently next time it feels like such a big deal Mm -hmm. and I think when you develop a culture of that kind of thing which is I guess I wouldn't say that's a culture of St Luke's but it's kind of a mini mini thing with with the team I'm working on it helps people constantly thrive but that has to be met with positive feedback Mm -hmm. you know the I'm really big on constantly telling people when they're doing a good job, not telling them as a lie, but it's got to be when it's, when it's true. My team are amazing. So it's not difficult to find those, those times, but I think people need to have that constant positive reinforcement and know when they're doing well. Mm-hmm. So you can do more of what's going well and then work with areas of development. Yeah, um, absolutely. Speaking of areas of development, may I ask, whether there is a time that sticks in your memory as potentially being one big fuck up. (laughs) 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 Yes. 
a few, you know, a number, um, all got them and we'll I'll have many more to come. One, it's relatively innocuous. That's why I think it's quite a nice one to talk about. But when I was just starting at St. Luke's as an account manager, I was nervous because I, I was doing a lot of kind of direct marketing before. So emails, door drops, that kind of thing. So I wasn't as good with TV. And I didn't know a lot of a lot of things, but St. Luke's, to be honest, it took a bit of a gamble on me because I think they saw I was strategically minded, creatively minded. And even if I didn't have all of the information, I would learn it. So we were doing some ads. I'm not sure how much I can or should say, but they were for very.co.uk and they were advertising toys to kids. And um, we were playing out. They had to be played out on the Tuesday to be live on the Saturday. It's my first campaign that I was doing for TV. And I got a big rejection from Clearcast, who are the TV standards agency, saying you can't show this because you don't have a scale um, marker. So essentially, if you're showing toys to children, they have to know how big they are. Otherwise, you know, you show a teddy bear in the white world and it could be as big as a house. And then they're going to pester their parents and ask them to get them this huge teddy bear until, you know, they're blue in the face. So Clearcast helping families across the country to stop that happening um and you know the whole idea was showing toys in this white world so I just thought well I've I fucked it you know this ad this campaign has to be pulled we've spent all this money it's not going to go ahead and it's my fault and it's the first thing I've ever done here and I remember going home that day and just feeling awful from you know six till midnight and then thinking well I'm probably going to lose my job and this is all awful and and everything and and then I came in the next day and we, we, you know, got into a room and we found a solution and we got it back through and, and it, and it was fine. So it's not the most exciting of stories, but it's just to say that you can really blow things out of proportion. And I think everybody does. I love my job and I think what we do is worthwhile, but it is only advertising. And I think it's always really important to have that perspective. So I think the first learning is, you know, have perspective I shouldn't have gone home and, and spent a whole evening feeling bad because ultimately it was bad about toys um but secondly as a boss I think it's taught me to note when my team might be struggling and tell them it's fine one of my managers did have some clear cast stresses and I could tell she was incredibly visibly anxious about it and you know she hadn't covered off something something was going to go wrong and I did actually pull her aside and say worst case this ad is pulled and it's just not a big deal and I think we need as managers to note when people's mental health is going a bit out of control because they're worried they've done something wrong so that's one example mm-hmm. of many no that's <laughs> such a good example because I think everybody can relate to that feeling of just complete overwhelm and absorbing you especially when you just actually don't have the experience to be able to see past it because one of the lessons I got from what you said was to just flag it early. Yeah. Like, if you feel that something could potentially go wrong, you really can't see a way out, rather than racking your brains trying to find a solution on your own, go and speak to somebody. And there's a good chance they can find a way out of it pretty quickly. A hundred percent. Someone once said to me, nothing's ever the fault of the employee. It's always the fault of the boss. And the point being that, it's always a collective responsibility and if you haven't been taught something it's not your fault so we've talked about the difference between agencies um, in relation to culture could we just touch on how the agency you work at influences the kind of work you'll create 
Absolutely. Yes. I think it's a really good question. There's obviously a lot of different kinds of agencies and you get to a point when you've been in the industry a few years where you start to recognize ads because of the agencies they've come from and other consumers, other brands won't be able to, but when you're living and breathing it, you can, you know, it's impossible to miss if an ad is from mother or widens essentially, um, which is a massive accolade, obviously to them, they're probably the top two agencies in London at the moment. But I think what's interesting about how agency culture affects work, in my view, there are three types of agencies. This is a bit reductive, but it's, it's an interesting model. You've got agencies who have a real idea of what their creative style is and what they want to create. And clients go to them because they love what they create. They love how exciting, disruptive, innovative the creative is. And ultimately, the, the, the agency has a, an ability to say to the client, you know, we're going to give you this. On the other end of the spectrum, you've got agencies who are approached by clients because clients know what they want. And clients will say, I'd like you to give us this. And they said, that's absolutely fine. And then you've got agencies in the middle. So what we were saying about St. Luke's and collaboration is really important here, that the way we see long-term relationships is very much through a lens of collaborating to get the best work. So really understanding what the client needs, but also bringing ourselves to the picture and coming up with work, which is very much a vision from both sides, Mm. as opposed to almost throwing a certain creative vision onto the clients, which some clients absolutely want and want to pay for, or doing exactly what what the clients want. All of our relationships are very much forged on this trust that we'll listen, but also we should challenge. If, If the clients say, I'm not sure about that, we need to build relationships where we have the confidence and we're allowed to challenge back because that ultimately does create the best work in my view yeah is there an example of where you've done that with one of your clients I think all of our work on Ocado is fundamentally co-created and I don't mean in the sense that we have clients sitting in every creative review but actually, we do have some clients sitting in creative reviews. We, we work with the internal team over there to ensure that they are feeding into the process from the get-go. But it, this isn't just about creative. It's also about strategy and making sure that we're challenging the clients and giving them a view on what we should be focusing on messaging-wise. And they'll challenge us back. And, and it can get a bit fiery, to be honest. But I think we should relish that. You know, sometimes my clients will say, also, oh, you know, did we push back a bit too much on that? Or I'll say, oh, did we push a bit too much on that? And and the other side always says, no, 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 let's keep doing that. Let's keep challenging each other. Because if one of us just steps down and does what the other says, it's not a good relationship. But the only way you can achieve that kind of work is through immense trust and a strong relationship. So I really value my relationships with the clients because I think it is built on this idea and acceptance that will challenge each other to answer your question is, I think it's evident in everything we create rather than saying that there's this one project where it was kind of a co-created thing. Yeah. Do you think that being part of this industry, you kind of have to love an argument. You're prepared and you're ready to share your opinion openly and honestly and kind of have at it. I think yes and no. I think assertiveness is important but and maybe this is quite a St Luke's view respect and empathy are key 
to creative conversations, strategic conversations, anything. And something I've learned and I've really had to learn and I'm still trying to achieve is if you are going to counter someone's point of view, if you're going to argue against something, do it in a questioning way. So, you know, if you're if you're coming to a review and you've got a different view on how how the creative should run. I don't say, you know, this isn't right because of X. I'd say, well, there's this consideration. Do we think we're meeting the brief because of this? And then you're just always creating a way to discuss. You're always creating an arena. Whereas if you just give your opinion and shut something down, the only way back is through an argument. Mm -hmm. So it's all about collaborative communication styles. And that's something that we really respect and, and require at St. Luke's. And I wonder whether that's the case everywhere else. That in the past, I have struggled to communicate sometimes in a way which is open and questioning. And actually, I have been too assertive, putting my point out there in a way which is not helpful for other people. And that's garnered some negative reproach from potentially more senior members of staff who have, as I said, when, you, when you're combative to someone, they're combative back. And that's led me to, to feel incredibly uncomfortable. Um, but looking back and then talking to my line manager and understanding why those kind of points of friction happen, I've learned that my communication style can avoid that happening in the future. So I think it is an important learning if things aren't feeling quite right not just to immediately blame someone else and go, oh, they're dealing with me badly. They're a bad manager or they're a bad person, but rather just be introspective and go, what, what am I doing? Because that person's getting on very well with that other person. Like, what can I do to, to be better? And it's the whole point about account management as well. We deal with so many different kinds of people. Creatives have a very different way of working to strategists and producers. You've got to mold yourself. You've got to mold yourself to work with different people, be a bit of a chameleon. I believe that's the best way to get the best out of people. Yeah, that's really interesting. Have you seen people who are entering the business at a junior level maybe needing to shape or change in some way? Yeah, definitely. It makes me smile because one of my dearest, dearest friends at work and colleagues, we worked on this kind of thing together and they came into the industry and brought so much of their wonderful self to the role. But we did have to have some awkward conversations of, you know, me saying, I love you the way you are. You're amazing. Don't change outside of work. But there is a professional standard that we do actually need to uphold sometimes. And it's a, it's a really difficult conversation when you're saying, essentially, I need you to tone down parts of your personality a little bit. Because... By saying that, you're not saying I don't love your personality, but you're just saying we all have a professional standard that we need to live at and everybody's changing themselves a little bit. And it, and it can be even harder at somewhere like St. Luke's, which is a really personable, quite casual at times, relationship-based agency. You'll look around when you first start and you'll see people being really jovial with each other and really being themselves but what you don't necessarily realise is that they are all changing themselves in, in some ways when they're in certain professional situations, like particularly with clients, there's always some level of professionalism. So with those kind of conversations, it's just really important that people don't think that you're saying, don't be you, but rather you're saying everybody has to meet a standard and that's what I'm also requiring of you. 
And what's an example of that? Is it more how they interact or communicate on email or is it around the kind of jokes that they have? I think it's probably more in a rapport sense with internal colleagues and also with clients. If you imagine going into law or into consultancy or into banking, you would probably put on a suit, assume a personality and you know, you've watched all the films, you recognise how you should act and, and you do dial your personality back. I think it's naturally difficult when you start in advertising because you walk into an office, there's people in their trainers, there's people hanging around, there's people probably cracking open a beer at four, maybe on a Tuesday if it's been a big week. And you're going, well, how am I meant to act? This isn't a highly professional environment. And indeed, I've been hired because I'm a really fun person. You know, I shouldn't dial that back. So it's it's a really difficult thing to learn. But I think it's that nuance. Sometimes it's even as nuanced as time of week. On a Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, people have got their head down. Maybe on a Thursday, things to get a bit more relaxed. And then on a Friday, the beers are being cracked open. So I guess my advice for people going into the industry is just observe for a while. And I say this to people even quite senior who come into a new agency, come into St. Luke's. You know, you've been hired because we, we love who you are. But observe us, observe calls, be on them, you know, do your work. But don't bring all of yourself until you know when to dial up and down that level um and I do think that applies to everybody and and is is something that could help people to to mold into a culture before they're rejected unnecessarily and if that rejection does happen what would you advise someone to do to overcome it feedback 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 like talking to people as much as possible and and I try and do this it's hard when things are so busy but if we have have interviews especially with interns and something's not quite right I really try and give feedback and say look this is why you know like I said I ultimately was rejected from three grad schemes it feels bad and you think well that's that then if they didn't want me and there were two others that didn't want me I mustn't be right for this but then you ask and you say well and they say, well, you weren't quite strategic enough or you weren't quite interested enough in this and you just do it differently next time. So resilience is, is really important. There's so many tales of, you know, failing a million times and then succeeding, but it's just true. It's a cliche for a reason. Mm-hmm. And if you allow that failure to breed growth, then you only benefit from it. Um, exactly. I was going to ask where you have the opportunity at work to dial up your personality, because I know... There's a choir. Yes. Um, <laughs> that you are the leader of. A great segue. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a classic at St. Luke's. We're really encouraged, all of us, to bring our passion points to the job. And I was delighted by that. I didn't know there was a choir before I joined. And, and I got here and there was. And so that was amazing. And, and then I took over the reins when the last choir leader left. So we tend at the moment to just work kind of Q4, you know, for our big Christmas performance. But it's lovely and no one's a professional singer. Everybody just enjoys it for fun. And it's a classic of St. Luke's, just everybody mucking in and enjoying themselves. We also set up a work band just before COVID hit and did a performance at Christmas party. So drums and guitars and keys and things, which was really fun. We have people who teach yoga. We have people who do exercise classes. Maisie's doing that twice a week at the moment. And book club, no initiative is found upon. And if you have something you want to bring to the table, it will be welcomed with open arms. I love that. 
just touching on the performance arts element in terms of the extracurricular activities, I did hear that that could stem from the very top of the business. Am I right in thinking that a CEO had a background in the performing arts? Yes, that is true. Neil was an actor. He was in a hilarious serial commercial, <laughs> amongst probably other things. I've probably done down his, his acting career. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's a very theatrical man. I don't think he's acting anymore, but, but Neil is the biggest supporter of all of this extracurricular activity. It's a drawback if someone doesn't bring something like that, to be honest, for him, which is real testament to his character and, and why we have such an, a vibrant and creative and exciting agency. Amazing. It sounds really good fun, which is actually quite a nice way to touch on the things that are bringing you hope and inspiration, the things that are lifting your spirits at the moment. Could you tell me what some of those are? Things lifting my spirits. I mean, I think in this new role as business director, you really get so invested in your clients and their goals. And I'm really excited to see the growth of my clients' businesses and hopefully based on the work that we're putting out for them. When you're so invested in this role in commercial strategy, the general brand strategy, and then, you know, the actual development of the campaigns, you just really care about seeing the actual effects of it rather than just being in the weeds and getting something done, which is more of a junior mindset. So I get very motivated by, it sounds really geeky, but, you know, um, brand tracking successes and, and, and results and commercial results but also just the more the softer side of the relationships and feeling like they're growing and trust is growing and, and positive feedback from clients that's um, incredibly motivating. Mm, 100% but I imagine that there's a trade-off with that being so emotionally invested it could potentially be difficult at times to switch off so how do you make sure that you look after not only your team's mental health, but your own and find that space to recharge? Yeah, it's, it's a really good point. And it's something that we all have to be really hot on. And, and I am. Um, my real belief is in work-life balance, of course. And that is really important at St. Luke's generally. We all really agree with that. So does senior management. Um, that we're working our hours, you know, not until 5.30, maybe 6, but not after that. We've got our evenings off, we've got our weekends off, and it's sacred. We, we've been trying really hard with all of our clients to ensure that that happens so that people have that work-life balance. And so in terms of myself, I, I, I'm really trying to respect that for my own life, and then I'm setting a good example for other people. And I think the way to look at that as well is if you're living a balanced life and you're giving yourself that time off, you're going to be doing a much better job, you know, the next day. And, and everything always feels like it needs to be done that day. And then it basically almost never does. You know, you, you, you step away from your laptop for half an hour thinking you're going to go back. And then when you go back, you think, why did I even feel that need? I can just do it tomorrow. And I think that is really important for both the agency, but also protecting our clients' mental health too, not asking too much from them. So, yeah, it's, I'd, I'd say the biggest thing is just being firm with hours being really firm and then all the, all the normal things like doing enough exercise and um filling filling your time with seeing friends and doing fun things and, and doing fun things with colleagues so nothing no rocket science but um the key thing being just protecting those hours like nothing else yeah i'm with you and doing Maisie's exercises class yeah <laughs> um, no stupid questions 
a podcast brought to you by the Ad Academy, a new online course from industry experts for untapped talent to help you understand how the creative industries work. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. And remember, success isn't always getting it right. It's learning. Until next time, goodbye.